0: The topic on your sermon today is really not correct. It is my fault. The staff is hearing this for the very first time. Um, if you get your sermon notes out today, I want to show you why this topic is incorrect. But again, it's my fault. So I'm the preacher God, Work with me. The topic on your sermon says messy relationships with God. Can you sit up with me, please? Come on. Really, it should be messy relationships with other people. Because if we take a switch today, and I didn't think about that till this morning. By the way, I wrote this. But I, I but the series is a study of Exodus chapter twenty, and the overall theme I called was I called it messy. Remember I told you, and we're dealing with the overall theme for the year, which is. Courageous calm, what? conversations. And in order to be successful in life, you have to be willing to have courageous conversations about the messy issues. You have to talk about them. And Moses and God had a conversation that I thought we should chime into. Well, God called Moses to the mountain and said, I am concerned. I'm concerned that over time it's going to get messy. And it's going to get messy in three Big areas. One, how they relate to me. My relationship with the people is going to go down because, number one, they are going to have other gods in front of me. So Moses, I'm going to write this down for you. You're going to call it the Ten Commandments, but here's what they say. I'm going to write it with my own pen. Thou shalt not have any other god before me. Secondly, Moses, they're going to start carving me after their image. They're going to make me look like them. When they finish with me, I'll be an African American. When they finish with me, I'll be a Baptist, I'll be a Pentecostal. When they finish with me, I will look like I'm from Europe. They will make me into their own image. I'll think like them and like what they like and want what they want. I'll always agree with them. I'll never make them uncomfortable when they finish carving me. Then I'm also concerned that they'll take my name and abuse it. They'll embarrass my name. They'll wear my name on their T-shirts. They'll put it on their car. They'll put little fishes on their car. And they will say they represent me, but when you listen to them talk, they don't sound like me. They'll take my name in vain. And then he says, Moses, that's the first area I'm concerned with, how they relate to me. But then I'm not only concerned about that, I'm concerned about how they're going to treat themselves. Because they're going to work themselves to death. They're going to run and rip and run. And in the fourth commandment, he said, thou shalt take a Sabbath. Every seven days, six days I worked, and the seventh day I rested. But they won't do that. And I'm concerned that they'll become so tired and so exhausted that they'll work themselves into a tizzy. They'll define this as a church service, they'll make this a religious conversation when I'm talking to people. God didn't write that to churches, He wrote it to people. Say people. people. See, it's really the really the challenge. If we get this thing really confused, God's interested in individuals. If my sermons don't help individuals, who cares? And so this is the conversation he had with him. Then he gets to the third area. I'm concerned with how they relate to me. I'm concerned with how they relate to themselves. And I'm concerned with how they relate to others. It's really important to understand that all these flow together. Moses, if they're not careful, what's going to happen is they're not going to get along with people. They're going to start showing signs of this in their family. The first sign that they're not getting along with others is their family. And it all flows from not having a good relationship with God. Are you tracking with me? Say amen if you are. Look with me, me, please. Let me show you this commandment. It's in Exodus chapter 20, verse 12. Honor your father and your mother that your days may be long upon the land which the Lord your God is giving you. Honor your father and your mother so that you'll live a long time, the message Bible says, in the land. There are two things in this verse that he's saying. One is, he says, if you want to live a long time, honor your parents. The the way you respond and, and, and interact in the family affects the length of life. And it also affects how long you get to live in the land. That's why I gave you the message version of this. Because I want you to read it for me really slow. Say, honor your father and mother, that your days may be long. I want you to pause right there. See, let's think about the length of life. Long where? Upon the land. So we're talking about how long you get to live on the land, how long you get to have the house, how long you get to have the job, how long you get to have this career opportunity, how long you get to have what you're going to take possession of. When you guys get to the promised land, two things are really important. You need to make sure you're clear about how you interact with each other, each other. If you don't watch how you react to each other, what's going to happen is the world around you is going to spin out of control, and it's going to start in your family. Now, what's really sad is when you get to the next commandment, which we'll deal with next week, it's about murder. You want to stop crime? Start with this one. Here's what I want you to know. Here's my big thought for the day. You ready? Most issues in life that are messy start with what? Family. If we improve the leadership and relationship in families, we will improve the world. It all starts with the family. When you study families that were out of control, it produces incredible people. For example, Saddam Hussein's father beat him to death, literally, like a dog. Beat him. It was horrible the way he was treated. And what happens is it starts in the family and it leaks into the world. People that become angry and violent and out of control oftentimes have a root of struggle in the family. I'm not saying it's all your fault. I'm just saying think about it. I'm not saying you can can, can be a great person and have children who make horrible choices. Just talk to God about Adam and Eve. So I'm not trying to put you on the hook for all the blame. I'm just simply saying, for most of the time. We make decisions in families that have an impact that go way beyond the family. And sometimes if you're not careful, you won't see that. So how has your relationship with your parents impacted the length or quality of your life? How has it affected your possessions? If you get honest for a minute and you go back and you think about it, Some of you would say, my mama told me about this. My mama really, my daddy explained this to me. So let me, if I can, give you three simple statements that help you explain explain the fifth commandment to you a little bit. Number one, honor your father and your mother. That is a statement of responsibility that you have at every age. Come on, say at every age. I used to ask my kids, I said, is there a time limit? You think it kind of runs out around 7, 16? <laughs> so I want you to know that a lot of us, though, in our culture, we think that way. And parents overread this, and you'll see that in a minute. They read too much into this because there's another side to this coin, and I'll talk about that in a minute because he gives advice to parents is pretty strong. <coughs> Second thing is I want you to understand that honoring your parents leads to longer life. Now, that's a pretty strong statement. It's one of the only times in the Bible where this is a statement where God says, this affects the length of your life. Now, I don't want to try to figure all that out. I just want to believe what it said. And I I would think that there's a direct link to your choices and your length of life. And then thirdly, honoring your parents leads to a quality of life. If you want to be in the land a long time and enjoy a quality of life in this land I'm going to move you to, Israel, please understand honoring your parents is important. So in talking to Moses on the mountain, he says, hey, Moses, let me tell you, um, I'm concerned. I'm concerned that, what's going to fall apart first is the way children and parents relate. I want you to think with me and I want you to teach them that this is a dangerous step because the next step is crime, stealing, all the other stuff that he talks about in the rest of the commandments. Now, these 10 commandments were designed to help them avoid the crisis. Now, let me ask you a question. What were the things that your parents told you that were let like your Ten Commandments. So I wrote down a list of mine. These are so honest, by the way. Every home should have them, the absolutes, because the home is the, is the, is the starting place. It's where you stop, you, where you hinder, where you readjust. For some people, it's because a family would not pack up and move from a neighborhood. You saw it going downhill, and you didn't stop it. You didn't stop the train. Sometimes it's family members who come to your house who bring with them a spirit. I say that in love. They bring, and they they mean well, but they bring with them a spirit after church every Sunday. (laughs) You come in here, get baptized in the Holy Spirit, you go out there and they baptize you. with. Okay, I won't tell you what, but you know what I'm saying. And so you need to be honest for a moment and say, I need to have a courageous conversation. I need to look at what my Ten Commandments need to be. What are the rules that we have? So let me give you the rules of my house. You ready? These are my, not my rules for my house, but it would be interesting to get my kids Ten Rules. I, didn't, I might need to ask my kids, what were our Ten Commandments? But here we go. This, my mom's Ten Commandments. She, I was raised by a single mom. And so here's what she says. First rule was don't lie. That was at the top of her don't do list. I don't care what you did. I don't care what was Just tell the truth. Everybody said tell the truth. We'll come back to that in another sermon. Don't live on in the circle. That was another one. Son, she used to do this all the time. Look here, see here. She's take her finger and she's pointing and says, Don't do this. Don't do this. Don't do this. You're living in a circle. Don't live in a circle. Number three, don't go outside looking any kind of way. That was important to her. <laughs> that was a commandment. Thou shalt not. Here's what she said: you got to tuck your shirt in, your pants. No, it's it's still in. You see that, right? It's still in there. Gotta be in. And she said, your shoes have to be shining. You know a man by the shine on his shoes. She would shine them. So i shined shine them up a little bit. I got to work on a little bit more, but at least they all got to look a little bling, a little bit. Just a little bit. She was clean. You had to take a shower. And, she, and he, she had this little room clean right here. She used to go, all right, that's good. You're all right. You're all right. <laughs> Don't start checking the day. Some of your mouth frown up. You do that and frown up, everybody know what happened, you know. She said come here let me check i said "Mom, oh, mama get back up back up back up you're not doing that to me today rules she had number four fourth commandment don't have a hard head because it leads to a soft behind that was her word i didn't put this on here but she had another one i didn't put on here she said an empty wagon make a lot of noise she said that all the time too. <laughs> Say something you both say. Empty wagon. Make a lot of noise. Son. Be careful what you say. That's not in the commandments anyway. Number five. Don't be like water falling off a duck's back. When I talk to you, boy, I don't let it be like water. In other words, you just tell me, listen, listen. Number six. Don't forget, you must go to college or nicely said, get out of my house and get a job. <laughs> that was number six. I heard that all my life. You will work. You will not be a trifling lazy man. You will not be in this house a trifling lazy man. And she meant that. And she was short but I was scared of her. Number seven, don't bring any babies in the house. She didn't elaborate. That's all she said. (laughs) She, She didn't say anything else. Number eight, don't stay in that bed boy. Get up. I was not a morning person. She used to always, I used to hit up, yeah, Ricky. Oh, I used to hate that. She used to say my name. And I used to do this. <laughs> <laughs> and she'd come down that hallway. I'd hear those feet coming, and I knew I'd better jump out of the bed because I knew that I had cereal under the bed. I had to hide. Don't talk about me. I used to love cereal. And so she told me, you can't eat cereal past 12. That was the rule. So I would have my cap and crunch and all that under the bed. After I ate, not, not the crunch, not some of you think I'm gross. No, I'd eat, I'd eat it first. But if I saw it coming, I'd slide it under the bed. So when I got grown, you know what I did, right? When she come to my house, I get a big bowl of cereal and I'd eat it in front of her. I sure did. <laughs> get up out of that bed. Because I, I used to lay in the bed, lay, eat cereal, and watch TV, watch Westerns be up on the TV, let low so she couldn't hear it. And I, I was just a night hawk. I was always, always have been a night person, not a morning person. And that's why when they called me, Lord bless me, they asked me to come to these 7 o'clock prayer meetings and 6 o'clock prayer meetings. That's why y'all never going to have that in Jesus' name. You are never going to have that with me. I'm going to tell you now, you're never going to have a 6 o'clock prayer meeting with the pastor. You can say what you want to say. I don't care, call me carnal, but I'm praying. I'm talking to God. That her, I get up early, but I'm I'm not. No, I'm not doing that. I'm sorry. <laughs> Amen. Praise God. This might as well. Okay, enough of that. Move on. What was that? Number eight. Yeah, number nine. Don't ignore me when I call you. When the street lights go off, I expect you in the house. Amen. And and she would she and she had this shrieking way. She'd call my name. Ricky uh, used to say, "Boy, your mama can say my name." I said, yeah, she can. Can't she?" Right, the way she said it, you just shake all inside. And when you call that, you, she called you. You had to answer. Now you had to answer. And last, last, rule: Don't tell me what other people are allowed to do. They don't live here. Lot don't because she carried. It was all tied to something. She was trying to get me somewhere, from here to there. But one thing that's really important. In the middle of all of that, there was this, I felt this deep sense of caring for me. I never felt that she was, for a while I felt she was being mean, but I I soon began to realize, no, she just cares. And, And there's something that she communicated to me that made me believe that, because she spent a lot of time with me. She, she would forego going out and hanging out, and she said, No, I'm gonna spend time with you. Went to the movies all the time, shopping all the time. That's why I like to shop today. She did it to me. Used to catch the sales, and I'd be out there with my mama with the bags, rolling around, going to the movies. She always believed in me going places. She always believed in me going to every camp, everything, the camp, every camp, every. Everything I was, I was a Wolfcraft Ranger. I remember that I wasn't a Boy Scout, but I was that's the Indian version of the Boy Scouts. I was and I was a chief, you know, they they voted me in the chief. I was a chief. I used to sing the Wolfcraft Ranger song, Oh, yo, oh, oh, oh. <laughs> See, y'all don't even know that song. See, understand? <laughs> some of you say, What is that? None of your business. You wasn't part of the team. You understand? I let out a you, some be you you're looking, Orlando. What is it? <laughs> That's a song. We sang it, brother. He's over there going, what you singing? What is that? <laughs> yeah, we sang it. No, no, I'm off of that. None of your business. That's enough. So, you know, but she, I was allowed to be in the Wolf Prayer Ranges. I was allowed to do camp. I mean, I, I did a lot of stuff, and I felt this incredible connection that I never forgot. It, it, there's something that can happen in a family that can damage you or inspire you. She'd always tell me how smart I was. She'd always tell me how great I would be. She always told me how, how, how handsome I was. She always told me if I put something on, she made such a big deal. God, you look good in that, boy. I said, yeah, all right. You know what I'm saying? You know, you just, you know. <laughs> Even when I was an adult, she'd do it. She just made a huge deal out of anything. One time she told me, it was amazing, i am grown past for years, and she says, how did you get so, smart, so in, like this? How, what happened to you? I said, I don't know. I don't know. Just bam. It's here. <laughs> but it, but there's, something, there's something about that kind of environment that fosters confidence. And it makes you think I can go out there by myself. And she'd always tell me that nobody's going to be with you. Just look at me. Look at me. Nobody's going to help you. You understand that? You understand you got to do this? you clear, right? Nobody's going to clean up for you. Nobody's going to do this for you. Pick up behind yourself. There's nobody. You're fine. And there's something that rose in me. There's something that grew up in me. And there's something that's been there. But I think there's a, there's a, there's a balance to this that I think Jesus brought and that Paul brought to this conversation. And then I want to hear from you. Matthew chapter 15 there's this incredible conversation about what honoring parents means. And I, I might have robbed you a little bit because the King James says it in a way that's a little bit different. It, 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 it kind of words it in a way that, that you'll miss, I think, in the version that I chose for you. And I, I want you to see this in, in this Matthew chapter 15. Uh, if you have a Bible, some of you don't have Bibles anymore, do you? You say, no, we don't bring a Bible anymore, Pastor, because you gave it to us, right? Matthew 15... Verse, um, verse 1. Let me read this for you if I can. I'm going to read it from the King James. It's not this. Is, you have the message of verse, but listen to this. I'm going to start at verse 3. He answered them and said, Why do you also transgress the commandment of... Well, go back to verse 1. Then the scribes and the Pharisees who were from Jerusalem came to Jesus saying, Why do your disciples transgress the tradition of the elders? For they do not wash their hands when they eat bread. Now, what you have in front of you is... I, after the Pharisees and religious scholars came to Jesus all away from Jerusalem, criticizing, why do you disciples play fast and loose with the rules, which means they didn't wash their hands. That's a good idea, but that's what he was talking about. But Jesus, Jesus put it back on them, ready? He answered them and said, and this is not in your version, but the King James, why do you transgress the commandment of God because of your tradition? For God commanded, saying, honor your father and your mother. And he who curses father and mother, let him be put to death. But you, 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 but you say, whoever says to his father and mother, Whatever profit you might have received from me is a gift to God. Then he need not honor his father or mother. Thus you have made the commandment of God of no effect. Now, that's what the King James says. The version I gave you says this. But Jesus put it right back on them. Why do you use your rules to play fast and loose with God's commands? God clearly said respect your what? Father and mother. And anyone denouncing father or mother should be what? You glad that's not true anymore, right? (laughs) Because some of us wouldn't be here, right? Verse 5, but you weasel around that by saying, whoever wants to can say to his father and mother, what I owed you, what I what? Owed you, I've given it to God. I know you need some help, mom, but I already gave money in church. He said, you use, you allow yourselves the right to not honor your parents by not helping them. Now, which opens up a broader conversation. Most people think honoring your parents has to do with yes, ma'am, no, ma'am, no. It's helping. It's it's, it's not, I mean, that's, you know, maybe you want it to be that way, but it's not just, yes, ma'am, no, ma'am. Yes, sir, no, sir. Jesus said to them, you guys are not helping your parents even when you have the resources to help them. And that, he says, is wrong. You know what's really tragic for some of us? We're not really prepared for both seasons. The younger season, when you're a parent and a child, is all about the parent with the authority, right, telling the child what to do. Parents oftentimes in that season forget it won't last forever. They grow up, and if you beat them and abuse them and, and treat them wrongly and yell at them and shut down, I S-I told you to be quiet. I'm your mama. I look at but what? Did you say it again. Say it one more time. Just say it one more time for me. Praise God. <laughs> Pull the Jesus in there. You know, make it better, right? Yeah. What about when they make you mad, Pastor? What about when you make God mad? Hmm? What about when you embarrass him? What about, what about, what about? See, Diane made a statement to me that was so profound, and she's really a a children's champion. i never heard anybody say this ever in my life. She said to me, children have rights, Rick. The way you talk to them, the way you communicate with them, if you can find a way to talk to the difficult people on your job, you can come home and talk to your kids better. I understand the need to parent. I understand the need to lead. But here's what you have to understand. It changes. The, the, the rules change. They're younger for a season, but they all grow up. And older people know that, see. When you get to be 59, you know that. This is not permanent. This is only a season. That's why, that's why I really think grandparenting is really cool, because you know it's a season. Everything that she does, you know, she told me the other day, go to your room, pop-pop. <laughs> right now. I said, you're going to tell me in my house where to go? A little person. It's great. I didn't do it. <laughs> it's great. Why can't I process that? Because I'm a dude. I get my parent. I get it. I have look. I raise kids. It's all. She laughed. And I laughed. It's all over. But some of you parents, you just still, you know what I'm saying? Charge. I'm the man of this house. Everybody kind of knows that. Not the faith. muscles down, please. Calm down. Chill out. And I understand there's this amazing moment. And so there's this statement that Jesus says He says, Guys, there's younger days and then there's the older days. The older days, you have to help them. And then it gets to be interesting how you can walk right around in your life and not even care. Not really. Not even engage. Not really. Not even try. You just allow. Anger and stuff to rain on your life (laughs) and destroy everything. I need you to think about this. You have a responsibility to help. Now, let me say this. Parents can abuse that. That gets us to the next statement that Paul makes. I love this because Paul brings another side of balance. So we are to help each other. That's what Jesus commanded. Ready? But watch what Paul says. We're not to provoke each other. Ephesians 6 and 1 says, children, obey your parents and the Lord, for this is what? Right. right. Honor your father and your mother, which is the first commandment, that it may be well with you and you may live long on the earth. Verse 4, and you fathers, and it's interesting these talks specifically to dads, do not provoke your children to wrath. Your goal should be to bring them up, though, and train them and admonish them and encourage them. Your job is not to be a provoker. Parents can be provokers. You can make a person not want to be around you. you can, I don't know why you assume that, that they can stop liking you. They can stop liking you. You can, you, can, you can behave in such a way that people stop liking you. I'm really aware of that as a leader, that I, I can provoke people to not like coming to church. All I got to do is keep you in another two hours. <laughs> see, look at you shaking your head. you over there going, uh-uh, no, nah, I'm leaving you, Pastor Rick. I'm getting out of here. You got about 10 more minutes, man. That's about it. I got you spoiled, you know, starting on time, ending on time. Y'all don't know how to act. Got your little notes in your hand. You go, Yeah, all right, right, right. You <laughs> but see, I'm trying to provoke you to like it. I'm trying to make it simple and clear. I have a whole year of teaching. Why confuse you in one sermon? <laughs> Trying to get everything you know. My kids told me one time, I took them to a service one time, and they said, ooh, daddy, I see why they call this. I'm going to say what it was. They said, I see why they call this Azusa. They go from A to Z in the Bible. They go all <laughs> over. <laughs> they cover everything. we we here so long. And there's a moment when you have to back up and say to yourself, am I provoking? Am I creating in people A hesitancy. And I have to watch that in my own life. In my wife, my life, my family. I have to be careful. I'm not provoking anger and frustration. I want you to think about what I've said today. Because if you get this right, the rest of the world will be better. If I can get you to pause and get this right. Here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to take five minutes. How many minutes did I say? I'm going to let you ask me parental questions. Okay? So mics are out on the floor. I said a lot today. Did you enjoy it? Come on. Did it help you? Praise God. All right. I'm going to take five minutes, and I'm going to entertain questions about parenting. These are parenting questions. What kind of questions are these? Don't ask me about Ezekiel and Daniel, okay? (laughs) And then just ask with no statements, just questions right now. Any questions about parenting? Right here. Uh, And uh, just ask me the question, and pass the mic back, and we'll keep rolling, get, get as many people as we can. Yes. What's your question?
1: Pastor, as um, I'm I'm asking from a um, child standpoint, Mm -hmm. when we're all grown, all the children are grown and able-bodied, and you have a parent that's more or less squandering her money and things like that, and she expects the children to come up and to pay her living expenses and things like that, how do you handle that? When you don't want, you know, you usually give, we all get together, we give and everything, but then um, she expects us to, but then after a while you say, no, I'm not doing that any longer. How do you handle that?
0: I think you have a courageous conversation. I think you have a conversation. Say, Mom, here are my limits. Here are my boundaries. Here's what I have to do in order to survive, and I, I, I need you to help me. Let us help you get this fixed to the best we can. Some parents don't get that. Some say, "Well, I took care of you all your life." Yeah, I know, but but see, that's not fair. See, that's what I mean by provoking people. You know, and sometimes you have to have that conversation. And sometimes no is an empowering moment. It is. It helps people in ways that yes can't help them. Ready? Watch this. Ask your neighbor for fifty dollars. <laughs> Quit see no you said no see that look at that no all over the room no no I ain't doing that no I am not doing that no I'm not I'm not giving it to them and if they did ask me the answer is no hallelujah thank you I know I'm in church but it's still no no Mm. see isn't that it's only 50 dollars you saw that and I know they got it they got it they just cheap you sit next to a cheap person some of you need to move right now go move (laughs) you got the point you see it you feel that good all right, somebody ask me another question. Hope that helps you. Somebody, we are we Parental question Back in the back, back there. Back in the back. Parental questions. That's all I'm going to take. Got three more minutes. Yes. Mr.
1: Rick, do you think sometimes that you can instill maybe too much in your kids? Like, I used to tell my kids every day, I used to tell my son he was the handsomest young man on earth, and my daughters, they
0: were the prettiest girls on earth. Do you think you can overdo I, that? I, I used to do that every morning. So you're you asking me, do you, you? Do you think that's too much to instill in them? when You tell them stuff like that, that might go to their head? <laughs> thank you, thank you. <laughs> now, there's a book about this whole idea of calling your daughter. You're know, calling your, uh, you. Call, I, think, I forgot the name of it now, but it's about princesses and how that that mindset of you know you're princess. And but I really believe that God says a whole lot more good about us, and the Bible's full of things about how you know we're made in the righteousness of God and all that. I I I just think that that. You know, I'm fearfully and, and gloriously made, I think David said. There's something healthy about encouraging people. The issue is if you don't teach the other side. So I can tell you you're handsome, but just don't make you think you rule the world. You know, I, I, believe in, I believe in giving kids money. I believe in allowances. I do. I'm a firm believer in that because I think that they, you can't learn to manage if you don't have any money. And you put them in college and they don't have any money. Well, they didn't earn it. Well, okay, come on, chill out. How can they earn it? I mean, make up your bed. That's $5. You know, okay, I, I'm not in all that. I'm not against it. If you do it, it's all good. And, but I think it's some kind of way, you've got to create a way for them to have enough money to manage. And so you teach them to have. You, you teach them to be. You, I want you to have money. I want you to feel good about yourself. I want to encourage you. I want to tell you how good you, good you are. I just have to make sure I balance it. So if I give you money, I've got to teach you responsibility. Does that make sense? If I tell you you're handsome, I've got to teach you not to be prideful. So as long as you balance it, it's okay. Because let me tell you, when they get out in the world, it's going to tell them they're ugly. They're going to need that from you. you prob- that's probably why your kids survive because you told them that. So it's a good thing. One more. Where we at? Where? I don't see where they are. Oh, yes. Hi. Good morning. Good morning.
1: I was just going to ask the question about, can you put too much fear into your children? Um, you know, things that they should tell you, and that you should be conversating about, they're afraid to tell you. Um. Uh, there was an example of a, a a mother who she had five grown children, and she was afraid she wasn't going to have any grandchildren because she put so much fear mm-hmm. in them about like one of your mother's rules: don't bring any babies home.
0: Mm-hmm. Right. I think I think you can you can um, overdo it. I understand this environment that we live in that you do have to tell them hard truths. But I, I think the, the the best thing you can do is balance it, like I said earlier. You, you, you don't want to make your kids not want to dream, but you also want to teach your kids to see the truth about the world. Does that make sense? There, there are things that I taught my son. I didn't want him to be afraid. And I said, but when you get stopped by the police, here's what you do, dude. I'll them that's when we start driving. Yes, sir, no, sir. You put your hand on the wheel so they can see you. He trying to go home. You trying to go home. Everybody trying to go home, okay? And so you, you try to tell them what you can so everybody can be fair. I, I, there are things I, I've said to them about life, dating, all that, and some of it's scary. But the goal is not to, to create fear where you don't have balance. Fear is your friend on a good day. But it's all about balance. Come on, say amen if you hear me. So it's just like I said with the other answers, a little balance here, and then we got one here. Yes, we are close. Yes, one here, one more here. We're done. Are we done for the day? These are the last two. Okay. Yes. Go ahead. All right. My question is, you always talk about being on time, on time, on time. We all know what time service start. Mm-hmm. Is it wrong for to leave your family because they take their time by coming? <laughs> <to it>? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yes. I No. When I get back to the house, let the man finish. Let the man finish. Hold on. Oh, let's see. You starting to ride now? Hold on for a second. When I wait, get back man. to the house, be able no, to be Hold wait, the wait. They still out of control. Wait a minute, y'all. y'all calm down now. Mm-hmm. The brother's not finished. Go ahead. Yes. When I get back to the house, in order to see the big gang, I'm gonna say God first, family second. When said, what about the big gang? I I'm don't I'm have to. In order to be able to look at the big game. I'm going to have to say God first, family second. Okay. Because I left him. That's why you left him. Okay. <laughs> Let's pray for his family right now because he left him. That's, hey, if y'all watching, he over here. I want y'all to know he over here. <laughs> hey, 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 hey. Here's, the deal. Here's, here's the deal. I don't know if I should even answer that but I'm telling you. I, I, I think sometimes families get in trouble trying to be on the same schedule. Diane and I are on different schedules sometimes, and sometimes the best thing is to go separate because we're on different schedules. I have to tell myself that. I may, when I, For example, I just did the men's session this morning, right? So I came in here a few minutes after the service had begun. If I stand during the worship and I stand during the sermons, I stand the whole what? Service. Is that fair? No, not three times. So I mix and match it. I'll sit in one service the whole time, or the worship service, I'll mix and match it. I'll sit in the back. And I Because I understand I have to do all three. You get to do one, right? And you get to sit half of one, right? Come on, say amen. Be fair, right? So it's, it's all about understanding. I'm, and I have to tell myself, Temple, you're not on their schedule. I have to say to Temple, you got to put a mic on. You have to make sure you're going to be on video. You have to make sure you're right. You have to do a few other things that are normal. I won't say what they are sometimes, too. So you got to make sure you're, you're okay to stand up there for an hour or however long you have to. Sometimes you're on a different schedule. So that's all it is. I know you're okay. Good. Just one more. And we're done. Where are we at? Yes, right here. And we're done for the day.
1: Um, is there a, or I should say, how do you balance when you have, there's so many people that have, like we have 40-something, 40, 40 middle-aged children, and we also have 20 years younger child.
0: The you whole. 40 what? What? 40? 46.
1: 46 40 what? For age. Oh, no. You sounded sound like you
0: said children. I didn't know what you said. I said, oh, Jesus. I was praying for you, girl. I was, Lord. I said, she's still alive, too. Look at you. No,
1: no, no, You no. made the
0: musicians play that time, girl. Okay, I'm sorry. Start over again. When
1: That's... you have two, gener- two different generations okay. of children. Okay, okay. And 20 years ago, things were a lot different, mm-hmm. and we have uh, two s- separate generations of kids and meet a lot of older people that have a, child's, a, ch- a child still at home or around mm-hmm. home, mm-hmm. and the rules are different. Okay. So how do you kind of balance that when we may have our older kids saying, you need to put them out, you need to do this, you need to do things that we told them, <laughs> but life changed, and you know, well, he's out, but mm-hmm. still, Right. You know, he's still on a pacifier. How do you, is there a change in there, or how do you balance that to not provoke other children, even though they're grown, they look at, they're just spoiled. And I've heard that from other parents mm-hmm. that have I older kids that are still around.
0: You know what I think is it's not fair? It's not fair to judge your generation's strengths. Um and use that as a standard for every generation following. The generation coming behind us has different dynamics. For example, two-thirds of the jobs lost during the Great Recession were lost by men. There were male jobs, contracting jobs. There were jobs that men did. So this generation of men coming up now, they don't have a lot of those jobs. They can't go to the factory and get a job. The construction jobs aren't that easy. They have to go back to school. This is different. Used to could just be a hardworking brother, and and get you a job and take care of yourself. Now you take away the family structure, you take away those jobs, and put all the political dynamics in place, healthcare dynamics. They they fight a different fight. You you may have to. Kids are staying home longer, and it's because they can and they're going back home. Many of them who left home have to go back home. We have to understand the generation we're dealing with. That's what Joseph's brothers didn't get. They did not get that Joseph was a different guy with a different vision and in a different time. And they, because he dreamed, they got frustrated. What they ought to do is find a way to encourage him. They ought to be the main ones inspiring him and creating, helping him find new jobs and new opportunities. I think we spend too much time trying to make everything like what we experienced rather than embracing people and helping them get to their goal. I really, I really believe one of the best things I've ever done as a parent is I've never made my kids, first of all, feel I'm a pastor's kid and i got to live up to some standard. I've never done that. i never even say you're a pastor's kid. I've never even said it to them. They know they are. I never talk about embarrassing me because they know they would. <laughs> and I never, if they've had financial challenges, I've never mocked them. So what are you dealing with? We talk it through, move forward. Everything is talk it through and do what? Don't beat you down. No big lectures. Don't, let's talk it through. Move forward. And, and I don't allow them to do that. And every now and then, you know, Ricky said, well, Christina, you know, they, they, you hear a little bit of that. And I said, all right, dude, but you got your own story. You know, I just remind them of their story. And then that's it. But, you know, I think you model how that balance will work. If you, you step in, and you're if they are, and maybe they are a little bit compared to what they They had a rougher road. But to me, what's really sad is if they ended on, if you stopped them on 40th Street when you raised them, now your child is still on 20th, the younger child. It's unfair to judge them by that. The world has changed. So put your arm around them all and help them grow. Be okay. All right? Did you enjoy today? Thank you for your time. Father, we thank you for all that's been said today. We thank you for this discussion about parenting. We pray that what we've said has been helpful. May we leave this conversation with an openness to make sure that we hear this commandment, honor your father and your mother. Even if your parents aren't perfect, the Bible didn't say they had to be perfect, but they need to be honored. And there's a way that you must sometimes have courageous conversations because sometimes parents do provoke children. And so help us Lord God, whether we be young parents, young children, older parents or older children, wherever we land on this scale, we pray you give us the strength to see beyond frustrating moments and frustrating conversations. Beyond grief, beyond sadness, beyond what we think somebody did to us, help us learn to love beyond. Jesus loves us wherever we are, and we have to love each other the same way. With every hand lifted, heal the hearts of those in this room who have been bruised by family. A woman came to me and said just yesterday, she said, My son won't talk to me, and I've tried all I can, but I cannot mend the wound." I told her to love him and let him catch up. Move on with your life, girl. You'll catch up later. There are people that are in here that have tried to make up to their children. There are people in here that have tried to make it up with their parents, and they won't let them. Let them just move on in Jesus' name. Put the relationship in your hand. Do the best they can and move forward. Their parents would feel like, I've failed my children. May they forgive themselves today and not fall into the triple J's, judging themselves, giving themselves a jury trial, and putting themselves in jail. May they learn that those triple J's don't work well. The Bible said there's therefore now no condemnation of those that are in Christ. Forget, repent and move on. Come on, say repent amen. and move on. Amen. Father, we don't make light of our failures, but we can't live in them. We cannot wallow in the mud of our failures. We've got to rise and walk forward. In Jesus' name. Amen. amen. Now that ought to help you. Come on, amen. That ought to help you, That ought to you. Push you along, man. Praise of God.